Let's go ahead and turn our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 7. We're going to take a look at a mom in the scriptures tonight. Actually, several women. But Luke, chapter 7, and we're going to start off in verse 11. It says, Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who, was, who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the, the buyer, and, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and, the, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole area of Judea and all the surrounding country. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we pray that, God, you would use uh, the many stories that we discussed tonight, God, out of your word, God, about, about these women, about these moms, God, to minister to us, God, to speak to each one of us in this place. Lord, I pray that you would bless each one that hears the word tonight. God, that we not just be hearers, but we'd leave this place as doers, God, and you would change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as we get into the story tonight, we begin to share uh, some principles with you tonight. I want you to know something. Although we are uh, sharing a story about a mom, and although a lot of the scriptures, actually all the scriptures we intentionally chose tonight, are about women and moms in the Bible, I want you to know something. It's not just for moms tonight. It's not just for women tonight. Uh, but these are principles in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. And we, as we take these principles and apply them to our life, to our faith, and to our spirituality, I believe this. I believe that you will grow in your faith. And not only that, I believe that you'll grow in your ability to hear God's voice and get a hold of God uh, for the, the questions that you need answered. And so although we are sharing uh, these scriptures um, that are talking about women and, and, and moms, uh, just know tonight that as you grab hold of the principles that we talk about tonight and apply those to your life, um, I believe you will be challenged and I believe you will grow as well. Um, it just so happens that, uh, I don't know why, but moms, and not just moms, but women, uh, just seem to have these things down a little quicker than guys. I think maybe they're just you know, made a little more sensitive than the guy, um, but they just seem to grasp them a little bit quicker. But here's, here's a funny thing that I, I, I've noticed, um, and I've been doing uh, ministry now for quite some time. I've noticed this. I've noticed that uh, no, even young ladies that aren't moms yet, they still have that motherly instinct in them. And it's funny because I was a youth pastor for so long, and you work with young people, and you talk with young people, and they'll just be like, you know, and you'll hear conversations, you know, like a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old, like, I'm never having children. It's never going to happen, you know? How many women out there have been like that before? I'm never having kids. Yeah, and, and you have kids now. So, um, and you know, you say those words and whatnot, but I've noticed something that there's, it's usually, and not always, but it's usually around the age of 25, something goes off in a woman, and it's like, it doesn't matter if they're married or not, they want a child, okay? Now, not all, but I've noticed that probably 85% of the time, there's just something there like, you know, I just want a baby. And it's like, should you get married first? Well, yeah, but I still want a baby, you know? And, uh, and there's just this motherly instinct, and, and they just grasp hold of these uh, concepts and these principles that we're going to talk about tonight a little quicker than the men do, all right? That's why behind every man is a really good woman. Woman. And I have three women at home. That's two daughters and one wife. You're Spoke. pretty great. Yeah, I'm, I must be really great. If I, anyway, 
Let's look at the story tonight uh, in Luke chapter 7, and we'll just, we're just going to tag team this thing and share some principles that uh, we have put together for you tonight. Um, this is a great story as we begin to talk about moms. And in this story, the Bible says this. The Bible says that Jesus and his disciples are approaching a city, and the name of the city is Nain. Now, when, when the Bible takes a moment to mention the names of cities, sometimes it's good to see what that city's name represents or what it means, all right? And so as I was studying, I, I began to look at the city of Nain. And the city of Nain, the very, the very word Nain means pleasant or beautiful, but, but typically pleasant, okay? So here is Jesus and his disciples, and they are walking towards this pleasant city. And, and upon arriving, why was it named Pleasant? Well, probably because it was very, thank you, hey, it was probably very pleasant, all right? And so here's Jesus approaching this beautiful city, this, this city that's known for, for beauty and, and to be a pleasant city, and he's walking with his disciples, and the Bible says as he's approaching the entrance of the city, something very unpleasant is taking place, okay? Something is happening, and, and what is happening is it's a funeral, but now listen to me. Okay, now, there comes a point in our life when everybody passes on, okay? Now, there's tragedies that happen that take life from us, but my dad now, he's going on 80. My mom's 74, and uh, they're getting up there in age, and, and I thank God that they've lived a long life, but it's inevitable. One day, they're going to pass on, so funerals are inevitable, okay? But the Bible paints a picture a little bit deeper. It doesn't just say that there's a funeral. The Bible says that, that this lady is now walking with this big... Uh, uh, group of people to bury her son, but it doesn't just say her son, it says her only son, and then it goes on to, to kind of talk a little bit further. It doesn't just say her only son, but it also says she was a widow, okay? Now, back in these days, you got to understand that, that if, the, if the dad was gone, it was up to the boy or the man of the house then to begin to uh, provide for the women of the house. And so the Bible is saying this. The Bible is saying not only is her one and only son gone, the provider, but also her husband is gone. In other words, the Bible begins to paint a picture that this is not a pleasant thing that's happening. Are you with me tonight? So this is the picture that's being painted, and so Jesus is walking in, expecting beauty, uh, but he's God, he knows all things, and so he sees this funeral procession taking place, and he's walking into a beautiful or a pleasant city, but things aren't so pleasant. And the Bible says this, the Bible says that Jesus heard the cry of this mom, and it stopped him, okay? It defines the cry of the mom as, as a cry that not just because someone passed, but remember, it's not just that someone passed, it's that she doesn't have a husband either, and now she realizes that it's not just about the death of her son or the death of her husband previously, but she is now all alone. And so Jesus sees this woman, and the Bible says that he hears her cry. He hears her weeping, and because of her weeping, she begin, he begins to do something for her. Her weep, her cry stopped Jesus. What is it about a cry of a mom that stopped Jesus? What is it about the cry of this woman that, that kind of just stops? Now listen, the Bible says there are many other people with her. Matter of fact, it says there's a great crowd with her, okay? So it's not like there's just family members, but there is, there is such a, a big group of people that it's noticed, okay? But none of the other cries are stopping Jesus, None of the other people are stopping Jesus. It's this mom and her cry that stops Jesus. None of the men are, they're just, you know, I don't know, I'm a man, okay? I tend, to, I tend to think I have a feminine side in me because I have a lower pain threshold than my wife and, and I cry more, okay? And I'm just, I'm just more sensitive at times. Say it in the mic so they can hear it. It's true. Okay, thank you. And so... 
And so, you know, I think I'm tapped into, you know, a little bit every once in a while. Plus, I, didn't, I don't know if I've ever shared this. Um, uh, when I was in my mother's womb, uh, there was already, I have three older brothers, and my mom was so sure that I was going to be a girl, okay? She was so positive of it that she even had the name picked out when I came out of the womb, and I was obviously not a girl. Um, they had to quickly Praise think God. of a. They had to quickly think of a name. My name was supposed to be Cynthia Joanne Brinkman. Okay, you can use that later for blackmail. All right, but and so I think that's part of the reason why I'm tapped into my more feminine side because I was supposed to be a girl, but I'm not. Okay, just a side note. I'm really glad. Yes, you are. So are our kids. Anyway, it's a cry of a woman that stops Jesus. It's a cry of a mom that stops Jesus. Not the cry of a man, not the cry of others. That was the cry, cry of a mother. And I, I, I believe that one of the reasons is because women, uh, they're more sensitive than men oftentimes. And they, they can tap into the situation or they can tap into what's taking place and what's going on and they can do something with it. I don't know what it is, but they're just, they just seem so sensitive and so or maybe the men are chicken. But here's this woman, she's out and she doesn't care. She's crying so loud that people are taking notice and actually the crowd is beginning to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And now her cry is getting so, so, so outrageous that Jesus notices it because of her sensitivity. Okay, I know that women are more sensitive. They, 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 take, they take charge sometimes. And I know that with us and, and uh, when we first had children, it's, it's like, you know, like, like all through the night, she's like, did you hear that? I'm like, hear what? She's like, no, I, I think the baby's awake. I'm like, I'm like, I think something's wrong. And I'm like, yeah, something is wrong. You woke me up, you know? I'm like, let me go back to sleep. I don't know, you know? It's like, if you're already awake, just go check it out and find out what's wrong. Why do you got to wake me up, you know? And it's just because they're more sensitive and they're in tuned and they, they kind of know what's going on. And, and so they check it out. But here is the cry of a mother. And I want to I share with you real quickly these points. The cry of a mom is, number one, is all-encompassing. The cry of a mom is all-encompassing. What do we mean by that? The cry of a mom does not just see that one moment. It doesn't just see that one, that one time in space, but it sees the whole entire picture. Remember, the Bible says that she's weeping, and it goes on to define why she's weeping. She's not just weeping because her son had passed, but she's weeping because now she's looking at the whole picture. It's all-encompassing, and she realizes, I have no one to provide for me. It's all-encompassing. You can look at stories in the Bible, and one that we picked out tonight, and you just want to write this down and look at it later, but it's in Luke 1, 38. And it talks about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Okay? If you're not familiar with that story, the angel of the Lord appears to Mary and begins to share with Mary all that's going to take place and, and says, hey, you're going to be the mother of Jesus. You're going to birth God on earth. How exciting, Mary. You know? I don't know. It doesn't sound exciting to me. But anyway. And she's sitting there, and she's, she's taking this all in, and she's, the Bible says that, that she hid these things in her heart, and she pondered them. What was she doing? She was all-encompassing. She was probably going through the scenarios of, how is this going to affect my life? How are people going to look at me? How are people going to think of me? How is this going to affect me in the future? What's going to take place? What's happening? And it goes on and on and on and on and on. She's thinking about, it's all-encompassing. But she comes back, and she has this reply. She says this. She says, you know what? Let it be according to your word. I've, I've, I've looked at it. I've, I've painted the picture. I've kind of played it, the scenarios out. And it, I, I've evaluated everything. And if I'm going to be a mom, this is going to be an all-encompassing decision. All right? And she said, go ahead. 
let's do this thing. And how many guys happy that Mary did that and Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins? Five of you, fantastic. I think about my own mom. And my mom, man, she had four sons. And, uh, you know, as my daughters grow, I'm already thinking about it, you know, as they begin to pick out their own clothes, if I ever let them, you know, um, as they begin to get, you know, towards, you know, high school and things like that, I'm thinking, you know, homeschool looks like a better option every day because there's no boys in the house, you know. And I, I begin to look and I begin to think, and I know my mom did the same thing with us. And four boys in the house, and she would, she would look at the whole picture. And, and one of the things that my mom uh, always did is she prayed for each and every one of us for that we would have a godly wife, all right? And I got one, and she's a hot godly wife too, you know? I was like, hey, Mom, can you throw hot in there as well, you know? You know, you know, uh, brown hair, um, you know, good, good complexion, and, uh, you know, nice legs. And Anyway, uh, hey, if Mom's going to pray, at least give her some requests. Are you with me? It's like if she's going to, I just pray that, you know, whoever my son finds have a good personality and would love Jesus. You know, that's great, Mom, but I, I want a hot one too, okay? Anyway, so I'd, I'd slip little notes under the door as I hear my mom praying, like, hey, you know. And so my mom would pray for each and every one of us for, for a godly wife, and I'm so glad she did. But here's the thing. My mom's cries were all-encompassing. She not only prayed for that, but I'm telling you, she would get on my case when I wasn't doing things to attract a godly wife, all right? Because it's one thing to pray for, for one. It's another thing to do things that attract one. And I remember there were times when, you know, hey, I'm going to go study tonight. Oh, who are you studying with? Why? Well, I just want to know who you're studying with. Um, a girl? Okay, where are you studying at? Coffee house? Where are you, you going to be? Is there other people there? Well, her mom's there. We're going to study at her house. You know, it, isn't she the cheerleader? Yeah, mom, she's the cheerleader, okay? But, okay, we're just studying. And she would give me wisdom. She'd, like, she'd be like, Ben, look, if you're just studying, look, why are you studying with the cheerleader, number one? Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Anyway, and, you know, and she would, she would be like, you know, and she would get into my business. Why? Because she cared, and it was all-encompassing. And, and sure enough, man, she would challenge me, and sure enough, I'd find out that the cheerleader had a crush on me. I mean, I'm not shocked, but um, just, I'm just kidding, okay? Um, but I find out she had a crush on me, you know? And I, I was just like, why didn't I listen to mom? It could have got me out of this awkward situation. Anyway, a cry of a mom is all-encompassing. A cry of a mom is also aggressive. So number two, the cry of a mom is aggressive. And um, we see in, in, write the scripture down, 2 Kings chapter 4. And you can take a look at this great story, amazing story, about a mom in 2 Kings chapter 4. And she's referred to as the Shun, Shunammite woman. And this woman was uh, without a child. And she had no child, and a prophet came into town and, and began to and prophesied that she one day would have a child. And, and sure enough, she had that child, and that child began to grow up and got bigger. And there came a point in time when that child died. And that mom got so aggressive that she was saying, uh-uh, this, this is not... What, the way it's supposed to be. And so she took that child and she carried that child up to the, the room and, and laid that child on the bed. And, and then she didn't stop there, though. This mom was so aggressive that she went to the next point and she called her husband and said, I need a donkey. Get me a donkey. And I'm, I'm going somewhere. And he's like, what are you doing? Why are you going now? What's taking place? And, and she just says, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to go now. And she gets on that donkey and she travels. We don't know how long and how far she traveled, but she traveled and traveled until she found that prophet 
who prophesied that one day she would have a son, and, and that promise came to pass, and she found that prophet, and she didn't just go up to him and say, hey, um, remember that promise that you gave me, and remember the son that I had, and, and begin to describe the situation to him, but no, she, she saw him from a distance, came and ran, and fell at his feet, and clenched his feet, and began to cry out to him. It was an aggressive cry, and she, she begins to describe what took place, and what happened, and, and we see in the story, as you, as you continue to read it, that the, the prophet says, well, okay, and, and he talks to his servant, and he says, okay, I'll, I'm going to give you my staff, and so he here's my staff, and I want you to take this, and go take the staff and lay it down on the child, and then I want you to pray for the child. And, and, and he describes what needs to take place and what happens, what needs to happen, and the prophet figured, well, that should be good. This is, this is good. This will happen. And the mom said, no, 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 and she grabbed onto him. She said, I'm not going anywhere until you, until you go with me. I'm not going anywhere unless you're with me. And so then the prophet then goes to the house and goes up to that room and begins to pray for the son and, and we see in the story and you can read it at a later time that that son was raised from the dead and was presented to his mother at that point and we see through this story that the cry of a mom is aggressive. Um, when a mom um, knows that their child is in danger, man, uh, some of you moms are like you shaking your head at me. There, there is nothing that will stop me from you know, running out and grabbing hold of my child and, 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 and making sure that my child is safe, making sure that my child has everything that they need. And, and we see this happen in real life. And I think of my mother. And, um, and there was a season in my life when, before I knew Jesus Christ, and I didn't know who the Lord was, I was in a relationship. And, and the guy I was dating um, was a drug dealer. And, uh, and I just happened to be at his apartment. And and I was there, and, and there were several other guys there as well, and several other people in the house. And um, there was the drugs in the back room lined up on the, on the nightstand. And, and many of us were doing things that were very illegal and um, just were not, were not right. And, and I was in a very bad place in my life. And as a mom, she knew, and she recognized, and she could see what was taking place, and she, she, she wouldn't stand for it. And so I remember that night, and I'll never forget it ever, um, and she, I, I walked, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, I walked out of the bedroom. As I opened the door, I walked out of the bedroom, and I see my mom burst through the front door, and she's just, that door swings open, and she comes walking in, and she looks at me, and she begins to talk to me, and she's, she's like, okay, come on, you're, you're going with me, let's go talk, and she tried to get into the bedroom, let's go have a conversation, we're going to go talk, well, I knew it was in the bedroom, so I figured, mom, we're not going to go talk in the bedroom, so mom, let's, you know, let's just back up, you know, the guys that were in this place, the, the people that were there, not nice gentlemen, we're talking people that have weapons, and, you know, they're, they're people that are going to protect their stash, let's put it that way, and, but my mom, she's, she doesn't care. All she knows is my daughter, my baby, is in that place, and she's not in the right place. And I'm going in there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a hold of her one way or another. And she came in there, and I went out with her into the hallway, and I said some words to my mom that I'll never forget, and I will forever regret and wish that I never would have said. And, um, and based on some of those words and some of my actions, she was forced to leave. But I, I'll never forget that moment is, is forever... Um, uh, uh, engraved on, on my heart and on my mind what my mom did that day. And it's those actions of her 
bursting into a room with aggression and with, with a desire to protect her child, with a desire to get the answer that she's looking for, to see her daughter be made right and, and, and get out of that lifestyle. It was that very action that, that went in the moment when God began to break my heart and God began to reach out to me that I knew where to turn. I knew who to go to. I knew where I was supposed to go. And I got on that phone and I called my mom. I said, Mama, I need you. I need you to help me. And so not only do we see that the cry of a mom is all-encompassing and sees from the beginning to the end and is praying for every aspect of our lives, but a, a cry of a mother is very aggressive. And when, when the cry of a mom gets aggressive, you can't help but notice it in many ways. Number three, the cry of a mom is compassionate is compassion the cry of a mom is compassionate mom sees beyond what everyone else sees moms have a way of seeing the best in the worst moms have a way of looking at the worst situations and seeing the best outcomes uh, I don't know how uh, but there are times that I'll come home and I'll see something and I'll just be like, I'll, I'll begin to let it affect my attitude, and I'll begin to complain about it, and I'll begin to, and she'll just look at me and be like, can you leave again? Because you are ruining the atmosphere of this house, you know? And, uh, and she knows how bad it is. She knows what's going on. She knows how it's affecting her, but yet she sees the best in the worst situations. I don't know how they do it, but I'm sure glad they do it. And there's a story in 2 Samuel 21. 2 Samuel 21, and there's a woman in this story named Rizpah. And if you've never had a chance to read about this woman named Rizpah, you need to write 2 Samuel 21 down, and you need to read this story tonight. Because this story is absolutely amazing. What has taken place is, is Saul is now dead. It was formerly King Saul. And he had done some things that weren't right. And he had gone and he had, he had raided the, the Gibeonites. And, we, and when he raided the Gibeonites, man, he did some stuff that wasn't good. It wasn't right. And uh, now Saul is dead and David's on the scene. King David is on the scene. And so the Gibeonites come because he's, he's reconciled with the Gibeonites. And they come and they say, hey, look, man, there's some things that Saul did that, that aren't right. You know, David, what are you going to do about this? And David begins to, to just, you know, start a conversation with them and talk about what we're going to do. And so what ends up happening is, is that David now sends some people to take the seven descendants of King Saul and take these seven descendants and have them hanged. And that was going to be retribution for what King Saul had done when he was the king of Israel. And so obviously these sons had a mother. And so that they go in and they take these seven sons, and the Bible says they hang them, but yet there was a mom named Rizpah. And this mom, the Bible says, goes out, and the Bible says, and we don't have time to talk about all of it tonight, but it, it says she throws her blanket on the rock. And she gets on this rock, and she begins to weep for her children for not just a couple of days, not just for a couple of weeks, but nearly three months she is there weeping and covering her children. The Bible says this, not only is she weeping over her children, but when the birds come and try to attack the carcasses of her dead sons, that she shoes them away. And she gets rid of them. And she won't let these birds come and take her sons. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a powerful story, and it paints a pretty cool picture of what this mom did for her sons, because everyone else would come by, and they would look at these sons, and they had been hung there now for nearly three months, and they would look at them, and they would see death, but every time she would look at them, she would see her sons. See, moms have a way of seeing the, the best in the worst. Are you with me tonight? 
Why is that? Because there is this compassion. The cry of a mom has compassion. The cry of a mom is very deep. It's very compassionate. I remember there were times in my life, and I don't know, my mom might be watching tonight. She tries to watch every week. But there was a time in my life uh, when I was not making good decisions. Has anybody ever had a time like that in their life? Okay, I'm not the only one. All right, good. You feel me then, okay? And there was a time in my life I was not making the best decisions in the world. It lasted for like a day, okay? And so I wasn't making great decisions. And I remember one particular evening, I was making some really bad choices, some really dumb decisions. And obviously, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home. I, I grew up in the church. I've read the Bible. I knew what I was doing was wrong. And guilt was just totally happening. And I was just like, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I'm doing it anyway, you know. And, and it was just a bad night, you know. And, uh, and I woke up the next morning to my phone ringing. And I answer, and it's my mom. And she's like, hi, Ben. And I'm like, you know, that's the worst thing when you make some of the biggest mistakes the night before and your mom's the first person to talk to the next day. And I was like, hi, mom. And she's like, hi, Ben. How you doing? I was like, I'm doing really good. She goes, really? I'm like, I'm doing somewhat good. She goes, really? I said, mom, I'm doing okay. She goes, really? I said, mom, why are you asking? She's like, well, you know, Ben, I couldn't sleep last night and God just put you on my heart. And I was up all night praying for you. I was praying for you to the point that I was weeping for you. So do I send some more and lie to her and tell her she's wrong? Or, you know, what do I do? I'm like, it's mom, you know? And I'm just like, man, at that moment, man, I'll tell you what, the fear of God hit me and so did the fear of mom, okay? And I don't know which is worse. Sometimes the fear of mom is worse than the fear of God. But, man, they both hit me at the same time. And, and, and I was just like, wow, mom, you know, thanks, you know? Man, what is that, man? There's so much compassion in a mom. There's so much compassion that, man, it just drove her to that place where man, I'm going to pray for my son. I remember my oldest brother, uh, he was making some really, really, really bad decisions and uh, just not living good at all. Um, and you know what? I could, I could honestly say um, that most of the family had given up. But man, a mom will never give up on her, her child. And I'll tell you what, man, it was, it was a bad, bad, bad place. My brother had the second largest roofing business in Portland, Oregon. He threw it all the way to meth and lost his wife, his three kids, lost his business, ended up homeless on the street. And man, I mean, we didn't even know how to contact and didn't know how to get to him, didn't know how, where he was at. But my mom just kept praying, finally got in contact with him and, and, and just began to build that relationship. And this is how much compassion my mom had. He's homeless now on the street. He's, he's living from shack to shack, living on the street, wherever it's at. And so she was like, son, I want to bring you up some clothes because you need clothes. And before she did that, though, man, she cut open the sole of her, or of his, that new shoe he bought, she bought. And she prayed over this, this little cloth, and she anointed it with everything under the sun. You know, she was just like, my son is going to know Jesus again. And she stuck it inside that shoe, and she sewed that shoe shut. And she brought that stuff up there. And, and, you know, I don't know if it's because of that cloth, but I can tell you today that my brother is serving God again. And I know that it's a lot to do with that. I have a mom that showed compassion, and I had a mom that was aggressive, and I had a mom that saw, look, it ain't over. It was all encompassing. And, and listen to me tonight as my wife goes into the last point tonight. These are not just points for moms. These are not just points for women. I believe this with all my heart. If you begin to have a wider, all encompassing view of your life, when you begin to pray through your situations, when you begin to pray through your circumstances, I'm telling you, God will give you greater insight. Some of you need to get more aggressive with your prayer life. Some of you need to get more aggressive with your spirituality and your faith, and you need to begin to seek 
God out. Not just let God come and seek you out, but you need to begin to seek God out. You need to become more aggressive. But not only that, I believe this. I believe in your times of prayer, if you begin to be moved with more compassion, not just for yourself, but for others, I believe you'll see an increase in your faith. So we see that the cry of a mom is all-encompassing, number one. Number two, aggressive. Compassionate, number three. And finally, number four, I'm sure we could add many more items to this list, but number four tonight, we're going to end with persistence. The cry of a mom is persistent. And uh, Luke 18 talks about a, um, a woman. Jesus is actually telling a parable. Um, and in the parable, he begins to talk about this woman. And it's found in Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. And you can take a look at it at a later time. But Jesus is telling this parable and he's talking about this woman who, who has been wronged. There's been some injustice. And she's going to a judge. And the, the, the parable, as you read it, the scriptures describe him as an unjust judge. And she's going before him. And she's, she's pleading and crying out um, for her case to be heard. And Jesus is re- telling the story and he's describing it that the woman goes and goes and goes and then the words of the the unjust judge are okay i'm going to answer this woman because of her persistence because she she won't leave me alone because she just keeps coming back again and again she didn't just go once or twice but as we hear the parable that jesus tells it, it it leads us to believe that she was a woman that was going again and again and again and again and again and she wasn't going to give up until she was finally heard and until she finally got justice in her situation and jesus tells us this parable and i believe that that for many mothers and and many women and many of us as believers god is calling us to be persistent to be persistent in our prayers to be persistent in 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 believing that if god gave us a promise then that promise is going to come to pass we're not going to give up on it we're going to continue to pray for it and 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 i see this i i think the whole persistence thing in moms i believe that it starts at at childbearing I really do. I'll never forget that day on July 7th, 2002, okay, when I was in the hospital, and I'm experiencing labor pains. I'll tell you what, after maybe the first or second, no, it was probably after the fifth, because the first few aren't too bad. But, you know, after maybe the fifth hour, let's put it that way, I'm like, this is bad. This is really bad. Where are the drugs, you know? Um, get me the epidural, you know? Um, but I, I, I believe that the whole persistence thing really does, you see it best in a mom at childbirth. When they're in the hospital, it's like we, we don't have the option to say, okay, I'm done. You know, doctor, uh, I'm just going to stop right here. Okay, I'm not going to push anymore. It's been two hours already. I'm done pushing. Let's just stop. She can just stay in. It's okay. We'll just let her stay in there. She seems happy. She's content. She's not moving. I've been pushing for two hours, so let's just let's let her stay. It's okay. Let's just stop this whole process, and let's just let it end. But no, I, I'll tell you what. On July 7, 2002, I was pretty darn persistent. And for three and a half hours, I pushed and I pushed, and I pushed, and that child was not coming out. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm persistent, and I looked at my mom, and I said, she's not coming out. 
I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I can't stop at this point. So we're going to persist a little further, and we're going to go ahead and call that little guy with the needles and get him over here. And we're going to call that doctor in and tell him to get his scrubs on. And we're going to go in, and we're going to do a cesarean if we've got to do a cesarean, because this child is coming out. And I think that with moms, you see the whole persistence thing when it comes to birth, because we can't give up. We can't just stop on the fifth contraction. We can't just stop in the middle of, okay, you you know, it's coming through the birth canal, you know, okay, let's just stop right here. But there's some persistence that has to take place and in enduring some pain and to see that child come about. And so I think that's one of the ways we see that with women. But I also um, think of my mom and <clears throat> we took a trip, I believe it was in 2005, to Playa del Carmen. My brother will remember this trip. And, and we went down to Playa del Carmen in Mexico and um, and my parents, uh, you know, arranged everything. They were so excited because I had just had faith, which was my other experience of persistence and getting her um, brought into the world. And, uh, and so I had just had faith, and she was only maybe two months old. And so my parents arranged for the house that this, this hotel and resort center had a, had a house on the beach, and it had several rooms in it. And so they said, you know, this is perfect for Ben and Katie and the kids. We'll put them up there. And so they booked that and reserved that, and they got that room. And, and, uh, and so we get there, and we arrive, and, and they tell us, sorry, we don't have the house that you reserved. And my mom's like, excuse me? We paid and we reserved, and I have the reservation number right here. And so, no, we're going to have the house with the three rooms for the kids and for my daughter, and it's on the beach, and we paid money for that. And they said, well, I'm sorry, we're not going to have that. Well, why? Well, because the owner of the resort is here, and he's staying in the beach house. She says, well, that's nice, but I have a reservation number, and I paid for the beach house. So... So needless to say, we got the beach house. So we go to the beach house. Five hours later, we no, got the okay. beach house. No, that was two hours later, we got the Five beach house. Five hours later, we got the beach okay. house. Okay. We go to the beach house, okay? And, okay, it, the beach house is bad, all right? The beach house is bad. Not I, in a good bad. I don't, not in a, a good bad, 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 a bad, bad, okay? You know, it's, it's not, it's, it's bad, man. No, it's bad, bad, bad. And so we get there, and, okay, the, the rooms are bad, and it's just not very clean. And then the, the lights, uh, the electricity was shorting out. So, like, as we're in there, my cousin is in there, and he's plugging the, the TV wasn't plugged in, and, and so he's plugging it in, and he does this one thing, and all of a sudden, all the lights in the place go out. Actually, I, actually he found all the wiring underneath the TV to the whole house and yanked it and made it go out. But <laughs> is that really? Yes, that's oh really no. what happened. I'm kind of glad he did that. So, anyway, so my mom persists, and she's like, how can you pay the amount of money I paid for that? And so she stomps back into that office, and she says, excuse me, in a, as nice as she could manner, um, that's not going to work. And so you're going to have to do something for us. The lights are out. It's shorted out. That's not safe. There's no television for the kids to watch their little movies. And, and so, you know, then, then we got on to the third hour, into the fourth hour. Fifth. And she was very persistent. And she was persisting because she said, you know what? No, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. But look at that. Look at what I paid. Look at the other rooms that you have. And this is really what you need to do. And so she persists further. <coughs> Five hours. 
And she persisted. And let me tell you something. We got the suite. We got two-bedroom, brand new, never been used. It was beautiful. It was awesome. And if you're watching right now, Mom, thank you so yes. much. It was a wonderful, wonderful vacation. But honestly, great example of persistence. And her mom, honestly, be healed right now in Jesus' name. Her mom, honestly, uh, persisted, persisted, and got us into that suite. And can I just tell you this? I just feel like God's saying this right now, that some of you are settling for two less. Some of you are settling for second rate. Some of you are settling with where you're at in your spirituality, where you're at in your faith, where you're at in your walk with God. You've been settling. But I'm, I want to tell you right now, if you get a little persistence inside of you and you begin to go after this thing, that you're going to get out of the shack and you're going to get in. Are you with me tonight? Right. Into the suite. I believe God has something better for you. I believe right. God has something greater for you. Listen to me tonight. Where you're at right now is not all that God has for you. Where you're at right now is not where you're going to stay forever. It's not just this place of, of living in fear. What's the economy going to do? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to get from this? Am I ever going to find a wife? Am I ever going to find a husband? How is my marriage going to work out? Let me tell you something. that God has something more for you, but he also requires something of you, and I believe he requires that persistence. Some of you just need to get a little more aggressive. Some of you need to get a little more, more compassion about where you're at right now. Some of you need to begin to see not just the beginning of the thing, but you need to begin to see the end of a thing. The Bible says that without a vision, you will perish. Some of you need to get an all-encompassing vision for your life. Go and stand with me to your feet tonight as we conclude. And I want to challenge you tonight. I want to challenge you because here's the thing. It's not just enough for us to come to church, hear a word, and walk out of here. So then what's the whole point of tonight? Great, we shared some stories. We, we laughed a little bit. Thanks for sharing with us. What's the whole point? The whole point is this, is that I want, to, I want you to walk out of here tonight. And I want you to walk out of here being a little more aggressive. I want you to walk out of here tonight being a little more persistent. I want you to walk out of here tonight with a little more compassion. I want you to walk out of here tonight with maybe a little more all-encompassing view of your faith and of your spirituality and begin to go out after it with God because I'm here to tell you tonight, if you do, I believe this. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe that God has got something great for you. I believe that God has something awesome for you doesn't matter where you're at right now. Listen to me. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. God's taking you someplace better. God's taking you someplace further. I want you to do this tonight. Would you just close your eyes for a minute? I'm going to pray for you. We like to pray for people before we leave every week. But before, before we do that, just with your eyes, I want you to think about your life. But not only do I want you to think about your life, I want to say this because... Mother's Day can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Maybe you had a mom that wasn't all that nice when you were growing up, and so, you know, Mother's Day is just kind of like, skip it. Or maybe you're like me, and you had a, had a great mom, and man, when, you, when Mother's Day comes, man, I, I, first thing I did at 7 a.m. this morning, Mom, happy Mother's Day. Because, man, I have great memories growing up. Or maybe there's some of you here tonight, because we've got to be sensitive, and I actually talk with somebody that was walking in tonight that lost their mom about a year ago. And so tonight, Mother's Day is a very sorrowful thing. So there's, there's all different types of people here tonight. Some of you are sad because it's much, some of you are happy, some of you are grieved, but no matter where you're at tonight, I want you to know something, that God has something for you tonight. God wants to bless you tonight. 